0: Welcome to the Forward Talks podcast. Today we are talking about cybersecurity. In this episode, we specifically focus on cybersecurity in various remote services situations. Remote services are a growing type of the service between industry and their service providers. In this context, we are talking about connections, sensor technologies, cloud solutions, human interactions, etc. Many of these points can be targets for hacking and other negative behavior. Your host is Petri Lakka from Valmet Corporation and he will be hosting today's discussion. With Petri, we have three professionals to share their thoughts about this subject. First, Robert Valkama, cybersecurity manager at Fortum, representing in this discussion industry. Also, we have Mika Holfast, vice president of managed services from Nixu Corporation. And then we have Jari Hotti, who is responsible of IT security from Valamet Corporation.
1: So let's get started mm, and take, uh, let's say, warm question, warm-up question. What comes first on your mind when we are talking about cybersecurity and remote connections in the industry? I think that uh, you are very familiar with this so. Uh, let's start from uh, yeah, from uh, Robert. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well,
2: from an industry perspective, I would say uh, it's necessary uh, in today's world, depending on where you are, where you have your uh, operations and so on. So uh, the skills needed are never on on site or, or usually not on site. So very needed. Uh, when it comes to cybersecurity, uh, it's of course a Risk point that needs to be managed, uh, but uh, I'll leave leave it at that and uh,
1: forward the question. What about uh, you, Mika?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, especially the remote connections, and and for example, the, our threat intelligence shows that thirty seven percent of the initial access is or anomalies in that is uh, is created by these remote connections. So, so it, it's a huge risk. So 37% of the That's
4: initial. a big, big number,
3: yeah.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think th- in, now, nowadays or so current world where uh, there are a lot of customers for some involvement all, all around the world. We just don't have possibility to have those experts in everywhere all the time. So we have to support our clients in, <clears throat> in a way that we can remotely do initial work inside. And of course, the security in that part, it's crucial because we have to make sure that we are not compromising our customers' environments. As Mika said that a lot of compromises happens through the remote connections. And that's something that environment we have to protect and try to do it as well as possible.
1: With compromises or without compromises?
4: Without compromises.
1: Okay, yeah, that's a a good (laughs) question.
4: (laughs) Just just to be clarified. (laughs)
1: So, so Robert, you are acting in in security at Fortum, and uh, you see how the world is changing and security requirements are growing. Uh, How do you see current situation for securing remote connections uh, uh, to plants?
2: Yeah, uh, well, the requirements are really... Changing and it's also a let's say very industry specific in some cases. So manufacturing uh, industries do not necessarily have the same requirements as maybe some critical infrastructures. Uh, there also, uh, at least in Europe, uh, the legislation is developing a lot, and there will be more and more national type of regist- uh, legal requirements on on how things uh, is allowed to be done. So uh, yeah. There is a, a lot today uh, expected even more for tomorrow on, on the requirement side here. Mm-hmm. And uh, also not to forget uh, legislation is, of course, one thing and an important part, but also the business continuity and the business operation itself. So also corporate uh, or, or customer level requirements are, I would say, on the rise also and w- when the awareness mm-hmm. spreads and, and also, there's also the cases in in the world that has uh, been seen from media. So top management is asking on these topics and, and it will drive a
1: change. So you mentioned this legislation and especially in Europe. Uh, uh, what, what about the, the other continents there? I mean, the North America, uh, China, uh, Asia Pacific. Any, any differences in the legislation What it comes to the cybersecurity? Uh, yeah, uh,
2: so as I'm working in Fortum, so I basically have a better view of the legislation in the countries where we operate mostly. But yes, uh, the U.S. have their own uh, way and Mm. their own uh, uh, regulatory frameworks that needs to be mapped against or or complied with Uh, Asia. uh, To be honest, that's a little bit of a black box for me uh, on on these topics, especially on critical infrastructure. Uh, But... uh, if you're looking at security from a holistic perspective, it's still the same things that needs to be done uh, when it boils down to the essentials. Mm. It's just maybe where you can have something who who needs to approve it or uh, mm-hmm. within which geop- uh, geographical borders does something need to sit. And, and of course, the cloud is a big question mm. in many cases. Can we use it? Can't we use it? And so on.
1: Now, if you think about overall the solutions that that you have for the cybersecurity, do you prefer your own solutions or or do you trust the service providers in these uh, security solutions? How how do you see the situation from your perspective? (laughs) (laughs) There's there's no correct answer on that part.
2: So I would say it depends, like a lawyer uh, no, but uh, it it really does depend uh, on what the environment is that you're actually talking about. And uh, yeah. what first of all, what does the supplier have to offer? Yeah, First of all, how do they operate them? Uh, do they offer their services in a way that's, uh, first of all, applicable even or, or le- legally complied, compliant to where we are located or where we want to use this service? So there's a lot of questions, uh, but one thing, Is for sure. I would very much like to see the suppliers' uh, participation in these types of solutions. So uh, nobody's well off by building islands in a way.
1: Mm -hmm. What about then, if if you're thinking about uh, these remote services uh, in in general and uh, and, uh, uh, business requirements versus cyber, uh, cyber risks? Uh, and what kind of risks do you see in these remote services based on these requirements versus cyber risks? Uh, you definitely, you need to make some compromises if I uh, understand the technology, what is behind of it and, and thinking. Okay. Uh, let's say, first of
2: all, uh, uh, in my opinion, there's no cyber risk in this. And the only risk that we have is actually a business risk. Uh, there's a business need to have these remote accesses, and we need to accept that. Uh, and uh, there comes th- that comes with some sort of a risk. And uh, uh, when looking at this, what we're calling cyber risk, or basically what it is, it's a way to materialize business risks to cyber means, uh, meaning that somebody misuses the the connection, or or let's say in some cases maybe a supplier got hacked or whatever. So. Uh, uh, In that sense, business interest is to maintain operation, have the availability and and this part or integrity Mm. ensured of the OT environment and keep operating as planned. So uh, when it comes to requirement and who is doing what and so on, it's actually a question about responsibilities more or less. Okay, yeah. Uh, Also, the legal responsibilities that we said, the legal requirements, they are not something that... A operator can uh, transfer to someone else. They, even if a third party provides the service, the actual uh, obligation or accountability to maintain the compliance is still on the operator. Mm. So you cannot actually
1: fully hand over these responsibilities to someone else. When when we thinking about this uh, this kind of a uh, uh, demands of securing the identity of the personal who is accessing. Uh, the plant, uh, what what kind of clouds you see on the sky, and and how this can be mitigated together with the service provider. What, what do you think about that? That how, how how you see the risks there when the people are, are working in the uh, in the plant and they are accessing the systems. How how to control that and what are the risks there that you somehow need to control and 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 manage. It's a it's a large question. Yeah, uh,
2: well. If you're looking at a little bit from a historical perspective, OT has very traditionally still had in the 21st century, had the 20th century identity management problem. So, uh, widely using shared accounts and so on. Uh, I'm happy to see that, especially with newer systems and this, the, we're actually moving away from that problem itself. Uh, so, basically, relying on as we still operate Mm. legacy in many places, and it's not Mm. a question to just uh, modernize everything, it's just not feasible. Uh, We cannot actually rely on the uh, identity management of the OT environment itself. So we Mm. need to have an additional service, I would say, around that, especially when we're talking about remote access parts. And uh, well, identity management, it's not an easy, point if you're looking mm. at overall cyber incidents and what happens. Uh, many cases it's actually up to we or the players had good practices, at least on paper, but the practices have actually fallen between uh, and somebody has forgotten to revoke some access or something like that. So it's not an easy task and it gets even harder when you have uh, this kind of a service provider access so you don't have the employment in your own company. Yeah. You don't know are they still there? Aren't they still there? So uh, with this federated type of solutions, uh, let's say moving in, this is something that I'm looking at in a very interested, interesting point of view to see how that would change actually this position and, and do this in more of a cooperation with the with the suppliers mm. uh, and have them manage their own identities but still being able to have a good control of who has access to to my environment, so to say.
1: Yari, lots of requirements yes. from, from uh, let's say, from our, our customer's side. Uh, how, how do you see the situation at the moment <clears throat> with these topics that uh, Robert raised up?
4: Yeah, I can see the most important part from, for example, in our point of view, is that we are building the trust. We have to be quite open in, in a way that how we are proceeding, how we are handling our users how the life cycle management of the identities is working that's that's really important part that we let's say we are talking with the it open book and we can trust trust and build the trust between the customer and our environments that, that's a crucial part of course uh, another thing is that when we are talking about this kind of cooperation and things that we are providing, for example, remote access services for the customers and providing services through that. It's really important that we can ensure that there are, of course, legislation is one thing, but still that the trust can be remained and maintained in a level that we are not compromising everything by our actions. And as Robert mentioned about this uh, <clears throat> federation and trust between the domains. And uh, we are talking about identities that are usually managed by us. Uh, we are managing our employees' identities and of course the suppliers also. Uh, then there are this privileged accounts or uh, privileged management in a customer side, like Fortum is doing. And then there are this federation that it's life cycle management is managed in our site, and the privileges are managed in Fortum's site, for example. Uh, that's a good combination we, where we must go on. Otherwise, we are losing the game if we are trying to do it all in the one place. It's not a good combination in that level. That, that's basically the important part in that. But of course, if you are looking for the remote access services, we know that there are weaknesses, there are a lot of different kind of hackers trying to mitigate those things, and and that's something that we need to figure out also, and let's say, try to find out the best way to do those, and not how we have done those remote accesses in the past, but maybe there might be some really new things. For example, using the cloud. Mm. That can be the connection point in in a way that we are connecting to the cloud and uh, customers connection to the cloud. And that's the point where we are connecting these to each other. So there there are a lot of, uh, in the future, there are a lot of opportunities Mm. to make more secure way of connecting the plants or OT environments in the service providers.
1: So the technology pre- gives opportunities to, let's say, to make more secure systems in the future.
4: Yeah, yeah, and that, that's something that when we are talking about the protecting of the environment, mm. uh, we are we have perimeters on, for example, OT environments, and that's the one level to protect. But are we allowing all suppliers to come through that perimeter into mm. our environment? Or do we want to open only access from the OT environment to the cloud? That's that's a big question, and I know the world is not ready for that kind of change of mm. mind mindset that, that thinking. But mm. I think in the future, it's then we have the control in both sides in our own hands, and that's something that we want to remain. Mm. Customer is controlling their side fully and vendor is controlling their side fully. And then we are just connecting through the cloud, for example. And that might be the next phase where we are heading. So Mika,
1: what are you thinking about these topics that uh, what, uh, what Jari and uh, Robert brought up? Any, any addition or comments to this?
3: Yeah, I, I think the dependencies, as Yari said, between between suppliers and and, uh, and clients is, is important one uh, when building this Building these uh, connections and open opening the connections between the companies, I think at this stage again our threat intel shows that uh, the engineering workstation is one of the initial vectors. So eighteen percent of, of uh, anomalies happen through that vector. So so in that sense, we need to control these uh, these uh, critical critical key points uh, and the connectivity to that. So that's that's uh, definitely one thing. What we, what we also see in the, in the industries is the race of the uh, supply chain attacks. And, and and that, of course, is a key topic on, on having equal partners in those, uh, those discussions, whether you can share the data or whether you can share the access between the companies. And, and that uh, kind of challenges us all in the ecosystems to, to be better at the cyber and have common way of, of describing our cyber also.
1: What do you think if you, if you look at the, a little bit uh, longer perspective, what do you see uh, where we should be, put our targets in the future in this uh, cyber world? How do you see that? I think, I know that this is. This is a difficult question, of course, but uh, predicting always... is always difficult, especially <laughs> yeah. predicting the future. Take yes. a crystal ball <laughs> on your hands, so that's always good to have. But yeah,
3: uh, from a short term, I would go uh, f- go for the vulnerabilities. We still have uh, roughly on the ro- on the OT side, seventy percent of the environment is still mm-hmm. vulnerable for for uh, patching or, or uh, unpatched environment. So, so that's definitely a short term target that we could already start. We have the tools, we have the capabilities to analyze those are now we should just start renewing and updating our environments the second big thing that we uh, i see happening in the future is is the race of the integrity and as robert said the top management is getting interested about uh, about the environments and the situation now and the, and the common question nowadays is are we secure do we have a problem And and to be able to answer to that in a a certain uh, percentage of confidence that, yes, we are not affected by this, is actually a, a capability that we should all start thinking about how can we answer to the top management, that is this a problem for us or not? So, that demands us, us to know, know actually what are our dependencies, what are our assets, we should understand the environments, we should understand which part of our uh, assets are protected by vendors, which, which are on our end, and, and so on. So, the race of the integrity is, is my theme for the next five years. Mm-hmm. What about? Uh, uh, do you agree that?
4: Yes, <laughs> totally agree. And of course, uh, when I'm more or less a technical guy in a security, and it's something that uh, Mika raised up that we have to know what we are protecting. We have to know our environment. We have to know what st- status there are, and that's the way we can protect. It's it's more it's a patching or it's a virtual patching or whatever, but uh, there are some some kind of control layers that need to in place but if we don't know what we have then it's impossible to build that protection on those another thing that i think uh, for the future for the next next few years is that identity management part and federations between the customers and vendors and managing that that's that's the key point how we manage those identities and another maybe the third thing is that uh, that connectivity, uh, how it's built? Now we have the, uh, we can have firewall where we are calling from the vendor side and customer side. That that's that's maybe not the future. I, I think this kind of a cloud breaker solution that we have connectivity through the cloud, and then then we can simplify the network openings and make it more easy to manage. And this allows also that when we are looking for the future and we see that there are this kind of small things around the world, uh, are they, whatever they are, small plants or power plants and windmills and whatever they are, they are small topics. But this kind of new way of thinking that connection might solve this issue that we don't have all connected between each other, but we can have all connected to the cloud. It's much easier to manage.
1: So, Robert, do you trust future uh, cloud solutions and, and connectivity? So, how, how do you see from your perspective situation? Well, my initial thought was scary. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, Surprise! Yeah,
2: uh, I don't see it as... In, uh, at unlikely this kind of scenario and we're moving towards the cloud in many ways so i'm i would be shocked if we wouldn't be moving towards the cloud also in in when we are talking about ot in the future uh, but also if you're you're asked for a simple thing with predictions and so <laughs> on uh, uh, to not repeat what the gentleman previously have said here uh, what i'm this is not a prediction, it's more of a hope, I would say, Uh, I hope that we can move more towards a world where we can actually have the data work for us more, also in OT. And uh, with that, I mean, so today, uh, many vendors and operators, they're starting to open up Mm. uh, with APIs and and sharing information, but we're not quite there yet. Mm. And As Mika pointed out with uh, uh, saying that 70% of OT environments have vulnerabilities. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Uh, But I would argue that not all of these 70% of the environments would require to have the vulnerability managed uh, or mitigated or patched or whatever. And this is the point where we actually need to put the data into use for us. So we need to be able to understand the dependencies, the relationships of the environments, how they operate together, This might also be a third-party relationship that we have. Uh, And also with the vulnerabilities, what we have there to actually start pinpointing which are the ones that we actually need to do something about, Mm. which ones we should have done something about yesterday, and which are the ones that we can leave to the next uh, service outage, and which can we just forget. Mm. And I think this this is a challenge in today's world because we have a huge amount of data, but we don't really have a way to do this I would say efficiently over different platforms and this is from an industry perspective when we have you name it we have it kind of situation (laughs) yeah yeah and also add on to that different uh, let's say life cycle stages so from very legacy to the newest available on the market so maybe in 10 years we can hopefully have at least a most oldest part, <laughs> retired and, and renewed.
1: So, this is uh, uh, Robert's vision. What about uh, you, uh, uh, Mika? Then, how you see? Yeah, uh, I,
3: I shared his vision, of course, on that. And uh, the data is, is critical. What I would like to imp- uh, put in place for the industry is that whenever we are changing stuff, whenever we are pulling the data out uh, in terms of uh, performance data, optimizing data or, or any of that data. We would have a control point of discussing that now that we are creating this new efficiency and saving money and, and uh, having, having better, uh, centralized command control systems and so on. Uh, we should have a, a, thinking point or a, a point where we actually discuss about the cyber in that uh, what are the is the environment ready for us to connect it or, or should we add some compensating controls if we can't patch or anything like that i think that is one one crucial thing that we need to bring into the engineering level mm. at least but is this new connection uh, secure and what about its life cycle
1: mm.
4: yeah, yeah. I, I think that's life cycle is one crucial question yeah. because we know that there are these 20 years old systems in, in those plants or in, in factories or whatever they are. And we don't get rid of those. So we, we have to understand also in these new environments that we are building today, that they might live there next 20 years or 30 years. Mm. How can we manage that part? so that we can ensure that uh, when we implement a new, new, for example, the automation system in somewhere, how can we make sure that it keeps up to date until 2050? Okay. That, that's, that's a big question, and I think that's something also, from vendor side that we need to think about that, that continued lifecycle of management. How can we ensure that uh, the customers get, let's say, not vulnerable versions after 10 years of usage how can we ensure that lifecycle management in that part
1: so you take an even longer perspective to, to yeah, about it, 20 it, 50.
4: It yeah yeah it's, it's a, when we are talking yeah. about this kind of automation systems it's yeah, right. like it, it's a long term <laughs> game in there so that it, it might be the 30 years or 25 years and that that's something that as a vendor we we need to think about that part we need to ensure that they are the support and uh, updates are continuing from the long term of time Mm. and this gives us a lot of difficulties Uh, what happens in 20 years in operating system world is there any microsoft left is linux dead Mm. do we have some kind of of tesla os Uh, Mm. who knows that's right uh, so during different. the life cycle, you have to
3: design, for example, three different uh, operating system changes during <laughs> yeah. the life cycle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Nobody does that in IT anymore. Yeah. So, so that's a journey, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to the Forward Talks podcast.